0: Where is Chad? I
1: think we lost somebody.
0: Where, where is Chad?
1: Oh, there he is. There he, is. There he is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We are on our way to having the best top-rated podcast
0: yet. I'm telling Wait. you, a, a, a better podcast would just start over. That's not us.
2: Yeah. <laughs> this the is episode number 405. 405.
0: <laughs> I tried to abandon these guys. Episode 405, this is the Riverfront podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dawson. Thank you for joining us once again. With us this week... Your friend and mine, the author of the noted bestseller, The Big 50, Chris Garber. How are you, Chris? Doing well. Thank you. Good. Also with us again, my guy, Nate Dotson.
1: Hey, excited to be here for this uh, virtual book signing. <laughs>
0: That's <laughs> right. You're, you're kind of the cleanest name. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what again,
1: why don't you just tell us what's on the board behind you there, Nate? I don't know if anybody's noticed, but we would like Mr. Bob Castellini, if he... If he doesn't mind, he's got some time. Sell the team. Sell the Which team?
2: Team of oxen?
0: <laughs> let me ask Let me ask this question. Right now, and Chris, I'll direct this to you because you're a Bengals fan as well as a, a Reds fan for a long, long, long time. Uh, no, not that long. Let's not get crazy. He's not that old. But um, sell the team Bob Castellini, sell the team Mike Brown. Which one are you going for today?
2: I'm a very happy Bengals fan. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, uh, one more day.
1: If we We're going to talk about the Bengals at all today? Because
2: who, it. who they, who, who are they? That's a good question. Who are they that think
0: they're going to beat them, Bengals? I don't know that answer. So um, let's talk about the Cincinnati Reds if we can. Or. And we're going to start out with the topic of the week, as we've been doing recently, Uh, kind of a a feature we're developing just to give us something to to dive into the the topic of the week. As you will know, if you uh, read the title of this before you clicked on it, we're going to talk about our top five favorite Reds players before we get into what news there is of the week. And then some other fun things we have planned for you and then viewer mail later. So top five favorite Reds players of all time. Okay, so uh, each of us have come up with our list of top five and uh, a lot of a lot of overlap, obviously, on, on these lists. Not a lot, but s- some overlap on these lists, and you won't be surprised who they are. But I thought it would be fun. It was actually, uh, I think, Nate's idea, maybe, to, yeah, this is, this is a way to talk about some of these guys we love to talk about, and I hope you'll enjoy it. So what I'm going to do is uh, we're going to look at these, these lists, and there are, I think, two names that are on all three. No, there's only one name that are on all three lists, right?
1: Just one.
0: As I'm looking at one name, only one name made all three lists. Um,
2: Chris, why don't you tell us who that name is? Could it could it possibly be Joseph Daniel Votto? It is by by uh, consensus vote the greatest red of all time? Apparently, uh, Joey Votto, <laughs> beloved by all, and uh, hated by people who um, their hate is useful in identifying them as morons. So,
0: I don't know if you could find three random people, random Reds fans on Twitter who would all have Votto on their list. You know, it's just, it's for some reason. I don't know why it's controversial to like Joey Votto. Nate, quick thoughts about Votto?
1: Just the best player of our generation. Uh, it's an easy, easy choice. Makes sense why uh, why we all picked him. Yeah, I'm sure there there's some generations out there. Once you get above uh, that 55-60 range, well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. But how could you not like the guy?
0: Um. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Now uh, there was a there were two more names I think that were on two different lists. Uh, um. And so Nate and I actually shared these two. Mm-hmm. Then I think the rest are all one-off guys. So th- it's going to be interesting. Um. So Adam Dunn was on uh, my list and on your list, Nate. Why in the world would you like Adam Dunn? His
1: nickname's the Big Donkey. <laughs> I I my case. Um. I don't know. Like he uh. I don't know what it is about Donner that made him just so likable. I mean, you know, Marty is, Brenneman, one of the most beloved figures in Reds history, never particularly seemed to like the guy. There's a, one of the uh, most, um, you know, engaged resources was sort of against him. But then there were moments like the, the Adam from Milwaukee phone call on the banana phone. I and mean, He just He was hilarious. He would have been revered in today's game as a as a great player, much more so than he was at his time. He's just he's just one of those fun dudes I think that the Reds have had, and it was right in my wheelhouse that uh, you know like fifteen to twenty range when a big Texan who played college football and decided to want to hit really far home runs is you know just my kind of guy.
0: He hit some home runs. Yeah, I think I. I... In the end, what happened with Dunn was I think I, the kind of the backlash against him. I always put it as people always hated him for what he couldn't do, rather than enjoying what he could do. Which was he did some things very very well. Hit home runs. He got on base a lot. And I think, I think part of the reason why he became my favorite player uh, was it was just, was was some of that backlash. But then, ultimately, he was just fun. He was fun to have around. And um, and he ends up number he's number one on my list. Uh, I think. Mm-hmm. I go back and forth between him and another player that we're going to talk about in a moment, but I, I yeah, you know, I think he's probably number one. Where is he on your, and we'll talk about our, our, what order we have him in, in a moment, but where is he on your list, Nate? He's
1: absolutely number
0: one.
2: Number one. It's close for me. Chris, how could you not have Adam Dunn on your top five list? He, he's up there. I mean, he would have been, he would have He's easily in my top, probably my top 10. Ask me again next time and I'll probably give a different list, but, uh, I, I don't know. I, I love Adam Dunn. Um, just a delightful, delightful player to have on your favorite team. He is delightful, no doubt about it. And so,
0: um, so anyway, Adam Dunn, uh, almost a consensus here, two th- two-thirds. So that's almost enough to get something passed in the Senate. Um, there's one other player that I think ended up on both Nate and I's list, and didn't. this one actually surprised me. Dunn, I can understand. This one surprised me that uh, Chris, you didn't have him on your list. So since you didn't vote for him, I'm going to ask you to talk about him and to explain why you don't have Barry Larkin on your list like Nate and I do.
2: Oh, Barry Larkin is, uh, for me, was a, a very easy player to admire, but hard to love, I think. Um, you know, he, the things he did on the field were amazing. Uh, he wasn't on the field as much as I would have liked, I guess, as a fan. And then... You know, in the back half of his career, he became a good bit of a politician, I think, in the clubhouse and in the organization, and, and may have influenced some decisions that might not have been the very best for the team as a competitive entity. So I think that's where I kind of cooled on him. I mean, obviously, incredible player, one of the handful of the greatest Reds ever, one of the best shortstops in Major League history. And I'll defend him as a player. I just just don't love him. Well, we're not talking about best players. We're talking about uh,
0: you know your favorite players, and that can encompass anything. There's there's no there are no rules for this. But for me, Larkin, Larkin and Dunn for forever, Larkin was my favorite player of all time, and uh, Dunn and, and Votto are, 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 are again the same thing. You could ask me any day, and I might change my mind as, as to which of those three are number one for me. For me, with Larkin, it was just you know uh, again, uh, not like Nate was talking about those those teenage years and here's the shortstop for the guy that, for the team that wins the world championship, you know, and that was exciting for all of us. Um, and not for Nate, he doesn't remember it, but, um, and, and he was, the, he was the, I guess for me, he was the guy in my lifetime, you know, the, the big red machine had bench played his whole career and then Concepcion as well played her whole career here. And this was, this was our guy, Barry Larkin. And not only that, he was the best shortstop in the game. He got robbed of gold gloves by that um, dude out in, uh, St. Louis, and and everything that you just said, Chris, I can't argue with any of it. But I still, uh, I just, I can't, you know. He he just, uh, in terms of favorite players, until Votto came along, I wasn't sure we'd ever have one of these guys his full career who we got to watch every day and got to enjoy. So so he stays on my list. But I, I you're not wrong about anything you said, Nate. Any quick thoughts about Larkin since he's on your list as well?
1: Sure, this was a really really easy one too. Um, you know the the memories I have growing up going to Reds games and you know, they're, they're like mini movies in my mind. Barry Larkin was the lead actor in the first 20, 30 movies I saw in Cincinnati. So going to those games and at Riverfront stadium, you were there to watch Larkin. There wasn't much else to watch at that time. So I'll always love him. Special place in my heart for sure.
0: No doubt. Okay. So now what we've done here is I think it's- at this point, we've named two of my five. We'll recap them in a moment. Three of my five, but only one of Chris's five. Chris, I'm. Uh, you pick any of them, or I can. I can tee one up for you. Do you have an actual number one?
2: No, I didn't. I uh, I didn't think about it that way. I just kind of came up with five guys who I, I really enjoyed a lot and what I wanted to talk about. And one of them, one of them's Jose. Who Thank I you. think is probably probably the most underrated red, definitely in our lifetimes, and and maybe wait whoa whoa Cal Farmer would like a word. Oh. He's appropriately no, you're, rated.
0: You're, there you go. No, go. You're right. You're absolutely right. Completely underrated. People don't realize how good he was, do
2: they? Yeah. I mean, he was really, really good, and for a franchise that had hadn't had a, I mean, Mario Soto, yeah, but hadn't had a consistent dominant pitcher of that caliber uh, very often at all. And I don't think we quite gave him the credit he was due when he was young and healthy and and pitching as well as he could. It's only later, you know, we were all young and dumb and focused on wins for pitchers. Right. And it's only now that we really see how much a master he was and, and try to appreciate in retrospect.
0: It's it's so true. What was it? Ninety I, I wanna say ninety. Um, I'm, I'm looking it up here now as we speak because there's one the, the one year that he finished uh third, I think, in the Cy Young uh voting. Yeah, it was ninety three. Ninety three. Okay. So he finishes third. Greg Maddox wins it, which you can't really argue, I guess, Greg Maddox. But um ninety three, Jose Rio went fourteen and nine with a two point four eight ERA. Okay. Which is good. That's why he finished third. Um he had that year his wins above replacement according to baseball reference 9.2 wins above replacement. That's like MVP level numbers. And yes he didn't get a lot of wins and yes he had the injury problems. Um uh, at his best he was as good as anyone and frankly um th- he's not on my list but he could be just just for the 1990 World Series alone.
2: Yeah, he finished in the Cy Young voting, behind Maddox, Fair, Bill Swift, then Glavin and the um, John Burkett. And, oh, he
0: finished fifth.
2: Yeah, and he he. You take any two of the guys who finished second, third, or fourth, and he has more wins above replacement than both of them combined.
1: He got an MVP both that you.
2: Yep.
0: Yeah. Um. I'm I'm glad you mentioned just because we don't on this on this show we talk a lot about Red's history. We don't talk about Riho enough. he's he was he was a legitimate Hall of Fame talent, kind of like another guy on your list that we will talk about Chris, but a legitimate Hall of Fame talent. that just didn't quite get there. Nate, any memories of Riho?
1: If Riho or if I had been born maybe five years sooner, I think he would have been on my list. it was just that that little bit of gap for me. I didn't get to watch him enough. not in my uh, years that I could really know what was going on.
0: Chris do you have one
2: memory of Rio great baseball name <laughs> that's true I don't I don't have any kind of specific memory I mean that's part of the thing is that he didn't I mean in the World Series he was a master but he he wasn't always like showily dominant right you know what I mean he wasn't no no hitters yeah yeah so I don't I don't really have a single moment where I'm like that's what I think about but he was a rock. He was a rock in that rotation for a long time. And Reds haven't had too many of those. And he was dominant. I mean, it you know, it, it, he was not a, a John Smiley type of guy. He, he was out there just putting guys down, but it wasn't, you know, throwing 98.
0: I do have one specific memory. Um, but it's, it's only the one it was game four, obviously of 1990 uh, world series. And it was him. At some point, the Reds were down one to nothing. And he comes off the field screaming, "Just get me, or maybe it's zero zero. Just get me one runner. Just get me two runs, and we'll win this thing." He, and it was on that video, you know, the World Series video, uh, the Where's Quinones video, and, uh, and I just remember him saying, "Just get me that." And I remember thinking at the time, "Oh my goodness!" I remember Tim Carver saying something dumb about him, but uh, I don't know. I just, it's a great call, great pick. Um, I'm gonna, pick, I'm gonna take one of mine uh, at this point now. So far, of my top five, I've got Adam Dunn and Barry Larkin. And the next – actually, I've got Adam Dunn, Barry Larkin, and Joey Votto. So I've got three. Actually, mm-hmm. Nate – We're running out of real estate. We both have three. We both have three. So we're going to go back one more with Chris to get us evened up. Chris,
2: can you talk about Eric Davis a little bit, please? Yeah, I mean, gosh. I, Eric Davis was the man when we were growing up, superhuman uh, in terms of things he could do. He could – He was one of those guys, I mean, like Votto, uh, in a different way. You know, when you watch Votto, there's only one. And you know, as a fan of the Reds, when you see Votto play, there's nobody – no other team has a guy like this. That's what Eric Davis was like, but um, with a different skill set, obviously. And it was speed and power, and it was defense, and it was his arm. Um, And, man, that guy was just cooler than anybody else. But just – if you saw, I know everybody, you know, Nate's age and younger are rolling their eyes, but if you saw Eric Davis, he's one of the few people that makes me believe the baby boomers who talk about mantle and, and the legends of their time. And then you hear the, you know, the tall tales about guys who play in the Negro Leagues. It's like, I saw Davis, I saw Bo Jackson. I kind of believe those things are possible.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, as I made my list. And my the last one I'm going to talk about on my list. Uh, the truth of the matter is, I need to replace him. Eric Davis is in the. T- I don't know how I forgot Eric Davis. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, you know, when we when we did, wrote the book, just researching Eric Davis and and you, I'm sure you'll remember this, Chris. But seeing we're looking through newspapers and sporting news and all the contemporary praise of that guy, and and Willie Mays literally saying, "I'm honored to be compared." because they called uh, uh, Eric Davis the next Willie Mays. And Willie Mays said, I'm honored to be compared to that guy. That's how good he was at his best. And, yeah, injuries, whatever, but that guy was an inner circle Hall of Fame talent. I, the fact of the matter is probably the most talented player I've ever seen in my lifetime on the Reds. Is that fair, Chris? I mean, have you seen anybody more nat- – Not it's not natural. I mean, he worked, but just more talented.
2: Maybe you rolled as Chapman in a, in, on the mound. But yeah. otherwise, no, no. I mean, again, just just miles above where other people were in the game.
0: Yeah, the kids are rolling their eyes, but it, it was it was true. Nate, any
1: memories of uh, of Eric Davis? I was getting ready to bring this up. I wish I had some. I know I was in the ballpark for plenty of, of games when he was uh, when he was still a red, but I don't have a single one. I think he uh, he left his long stretch in Cincinnati when I was. Six, you know, so I I just missed it. It's crazy looking at his baseball reference page that he played until 2001 and he had an MVP vote in 2000,
2: uh, 1998. Yeah, like I mean, he he was
1: good. Forget,
2: yeah, that stretch in in April and especially May of 1987 was something that I'll never forget. That I mean, he had like 19 home runs by Memorial Day or something like that, and 20 steals, 1200 OPS. I mean, it was bonkers. He he was on pace for a 70-70 season. <laughs> just insane.
0: Just and insane. I think he
2: robbed like four home runs or something too defensively yeah. at the same at the same time.
0: Yeah, that 87 season was the one we focused on in in, in the book because it was just it's if you didn't live through it, it people don't remember it these days. It was it was insane. But I remember when I was living in DC when um Eric Davis was playing for the Orioles and going to Camden Yards and my my friends that were with me were like, "What?" And I was like, "I would get chills." It's, it's Eric Davis. I'm like, "Hey, look, it's it's Eric yep. Davis." You know, and they, they didn't really get it. But uh, so yeah, that's a that's a great call. And truthfully, he's he's on my top five. I I think I screwed up, but none of no one here will be surprised that I screwed up. So we've named three of each of our, uh, our top five lists, and so I'm going to give my fourth one here. And this is a guy that I wrote about recently and that we've talked about, but that it's another guy that people don't realize how great he was. He, I don't think he's the most underrated maybe, um, but he's up there with the most underrated Reds of all time, it, or of this, of my lifetime, I should say. And that's Mario Soto. Uh, Mario Soto was my guy from the time I first started be, being a Reds fan. I mean, just because he was the guy that was like legitimately dominant. When I first started following the Reds, you know, 82, 83, um, 83 was the first real season where I really, truly followed them uh, hardcore. And the dude was as good as anyone in baseball. And um, I, I don't know what else I can say that I, I didn't already put in print. But, you know, if you know, you know, That, as the kiddos say, um, that dude could flat out pitch and um my, my favorite memory is when I would play wiffle ball in the front yard with my uh, brother. we play one-on-one wiffle ball, and I had to be Mario Soto. And it always ended in a brawl. I'd throw it to somebody's head because Soto did that occasionally. But, Nate, I know you've got no memories of Soto other than me talking about him, right?
1: None at all. I know he uh, he struck me out in wiffle ball in the front yard a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> Chris,
2: am I wrong about Soto? I mean, that guy was legit, wasn't he? He was all we had in, you know, 82, 83. In 84, they didn't have anything. I mean, Bruce Barini? they sold us a you know a tale of Clint Hurdle, but uh, <laughs> the anchor of the lineup was Dan Dreesen, so we were grasping on the Eddie Milners and Gary Reeduses of the world. But Soto was a legit, you know, top of the rotation, all star, Cy Young vote getting starter that you know, strikeout leader in the league that was you know. He was, he was just good, you know. And I think, I think we didn't get to know him as much. Obviously, there was a lot less coverage um, of the team, and he, he you know, he was. Uh, I don't, I don't know what his English language skills were like, but he wasn't, you know, interviewed all the time on TV and radio. So we didn't really get to know him that much. I don't know if he was chatty with the writers, but I don't remember learning much about him as a guy. Yeah. But as and that a was player, the thing, he, especially
0: yeah. back then, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, and he was, uh, and his career ended
0: early. I mean, you know, he got hurt and it was over, but he was actually signed to a contract through 1991. And so there's like this alternate version of history where he's, uh, I don't know, even the number five starter even on that 1990 yeah. team. And so we all remember more fondly, he gets his ring, but didn't happen. Yeah. All right. So Nate, I'm going to come to you next and ask you about a particular person on your top five list that has not been mentioned yet. Sean Casey.
1: Ooh, the mayor. I Why is he on your list? I was surprised that he, I was the only one that had him, to be honest with you. Arguably the most likable Cincinnati Red of all time. One of the most likable players to ever wear a Major League Baseball uniform. Um, I don't know. Like he's, he's still likable today. Do you follow him on Twitter or anything? He's just seems like such a genuine, genuine person. He was that way. I used to to get a kick out of watching games and paying attention to how the other players interacted with him when they got to first base. It's like they were excited to get walked just as much because they helped their team as they were to hang out with Sean Casey at first base and get to catch up and say hi. So he was like, my generation, you know, you, you want guys that smile. He loved being at the ball yard.
0: Yeah, uh, Sean Casey. Then there was a time where I, if you told me he was not going to be on my top five list, and he's close, uh, frankly, in terms of favorite players. But I'd have been surprised. You know, the early two thousands, I was like that guy. For for what you're saying, you know, um, and, and I think it was genuine. You know, I think he's genuinely that type of enthusiastic. I don't think it's a it's a put on with that guy. And um, uh, you know, frankly, you talk about following him on Twitter. The date, uh, okay. I don't. This is what they call what they call a humble brag, I guess, but. The day he followed me on Twitter, I was like, whoa. You know, I, I love that guy. And his career didn't turn out as well as it maybe should. He made a couple of all-star teams, and he was good. But uh, we all expected more, and maybe that colors it a little bit. But uh, but Sean Casey, certainly he, he's inner circle. He's up there with Eugenio Suarez and a few other guys as the
2: most likable red of my lifetime. Um, Chris, any thoughts on Sean Casey? Well, I think Casey is – you know, we can say his career maybe – didn't do as well as we hoped, but I think that guy got every ounce out of the talent he had. Yeah. I, I, you yeah. know what I mean? I, I mean, you look at the guy, he, he, he had no, he had great bats, bats of ball skill and he had a good eye. That's kind of it. Like, he, you know, he ran like he had a play,
0: piano on his back.
2: Yeah. The scouts would call him a bad body guy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he just, he just, I think he got a lot out of, it. I mean, he had a, a long major league career because he was a good dude. And, because he could, he could rake a little bit. So yeah, great, great, uh great pick there.
0: Yeah. And again, I don't, uh, and saying that his career could have been better, that's kind of feels like I'm criticizing him, but he had a great career, mm-hmm. you know, he had a really good career. Um So, all right. So I think we've all named four of our top five. So let's run through uh, I've actually, only done three. We I've done three. Yeah. You're at three, you're at three. So you're another guy that you put on your list that I'm a little bit upset that I didn't put on mine because he's probably
2: right outside, but he's up there. Chris,
0: yeah, well, this ahead. is
2: purely likability for me, and it's Johnny Cueto. Oh, I mean, he, the dude... And I honestly, I'm not sure if I'm voting for Johnny Cueto, the Cincinnati Red, Johnny Cueto, the Major League player, or Johnny Cueto's Instagram account right now because <laughs> they're all three just pure treasures. I mean... You start with the guy that came up to the Reds. And, you know, we've talked about this. Like, they had three, you know, they had three good pitchers in a span of 20 years. Or, right, 25 years. They had three really Mason, good pitchers. Yeah. Soto, Rio, and Cueto. And so when Johnny Cueto came up and he almost threw a no-hitter in, what, a second start, mm-hmm. we were like, oh, my gosh, we finally got another guy. Who can compete at the highest level from the mound? And he had a really, really great career as a Red. And then he left, and I can't believe it's been so long. What is it? Seven years ago, he was traded away, and he still pitched. And and like I think I don't think there's a single Red fan who reached against Quito. all the time he's been gone from the team. So I mean, I went out and bought a Royals hat when they traded him to the Royals. And and you know if you haven't checked out his his. Uh, his Instagram account. I mean, the dude is living his best life uh, every day, every day of the year. I'm doing that right and now. Sharing it with the, sharing it with you and me on Instagram. <laughs> I, I,
0: I, and Love living that. his best life is the, the 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 exact way to put it. Because listen, I get a notification that Johnny Queto's gone live. I'm clicking. <laughs> I'm watching that, Nate. I'm surprised
1: Cueto, because that that seems like we'll
0: be in your will. I'm a little surprised he didn't make your top five.
1: When I saw him on Chris's list, I, I had a tinge of regret. Um, totally, totally understand it. Yeah, uh, I remember his first his first start. Like he came out and it just went through a really good game. We we knew who he was. He wasn't a you know no name prospect, but he was also wasn't a A lister either. And there was just something about his stature and his you know, his wind up as the years went on. Like yeah, everything that about this guy yeah, just that. kind of seemed interesting. And then you hear him talk. Like one of my best friends went and watched a game in Cincinnati one time and went out to the bar and it was a game that Johnny Quato pitched. And who was there buying rounds of shots? It was Johnny Quato. <laughs> um what you just said about uh you know Eric Davis and some of these guys like Johnny Quato's kind of that for me. I, I I wish I'd have put him on there. Chris, you hit the nail on the head. I think every Reds fans that's root for him, no matter what who, uh, laundry he's wearing.
0: Yeah, who could who could dislike? Johnny Cueto. I mean, uh, my uh, Chris. Uh, do you have a particular? I guess, but do you have a particular um, Cueto Instagram post you want to mention here?
2: Oh, everyone should experience that for themselves firsthand. <laughs> oh,
0: go look up. Uh, you know, Google. Uh, do the Google, as they say, and uh, look up Johnny Cueto and his horse. That's all I'll say. It was it was uh, an interesting day on the on the Instagrams. So, okay. So now we're all four. I'll go with my fifth pick. And this is a guy that I put on my list. And now I'm realizing that I probably should have put Eric Davis or Johnny Cueto on the list here, or even somebody that Nate's going to talk about in a moment. His fifth could have, uh, could have been there instead of this guy, but I'm going to mention Tom Browning because Tom Browning, you know, he, he uh, it is some of the, what we've been talking about here in terms of likability, you know, the guy that went up on Wrigley above the, 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 the you know, out, out over the fence over there uh, on the building across from the fence at Wrigley. And um, the guy who, it makes perfect game, which, you know, when I was a teenager, which is amazing. And um, the guy who was, you know, the, I don't know why, but it always, one of my favorite stories about the 1990 world series was when he left to go to the hospital. Cause his kid was being born and, and Marty Brenneman's trying to get him back to the stadium over the radio. And I don't know, there's something about Tom Browning. He worked quick, uh, but there's something about him that always appealed to me as a as a player and and for a while, you know, uh post uh, post Mario Soto, I, I don't know. I thought oh Tom Browning might be my favorite guy. So I he's really probably seventh if I think about it a little more, uh to show you how much preparation I do for these podcasts. Um I would have added uh Davis or Quato, but I don't know. Tom Browning uh, is, holds a special place in my heart. Either of you have any comments about Tom Browning?
1: I'm glad that we all didn't pick the exact same five because that would have been pretty boring. Um, Tom has always seemed like one of those like beat of his own drum kind of guys. I didn't have a ton of experience with him, but I love reading about him in the book and a little anecdotes that pop up over the years. It seemed like he would have been a fun guy to root for.
0: Probably been a good guy, a fun guy to hang out at the bar with too, but we
2: won't talk about that. Chris? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. It's a good choice. He's a, a, a really likable, fun guy and and uh, had some incredible moments with the Reds.
0: All right, Case, Case uh, that's my son. Nate,
1: um, who's your number five? <laughs> um, I went with Chris Sabo. And I'll be honest with you, I don't have a ton of reasons why, but he was my first favorite player. You know, that I uh, was five years old for the 1990 team. He shows up with the rec specs, the young fellow, rookie of the year. Before I can remember when rookies of the year, of the year were, but I remember we had a poster in my bedroom. And, you know, he just hit one of the visuals. You can remember the rec specs. And he had a World Series team, and you got a young guy, and he's kind of like that uh, that grinder, that sort of work hard type of fella. He's my first Cincinnati favorite player. He loves those. Yeah. He had to be on my list.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he could have been on my list. He's close. He's top 10 for me just in terms of favorite, uh, certainly. Uh, Chris, does he land anywhere near the top 10 on, on your list?
2: No, nah, you know, you know, I don't know what it what it is about those guys, and I I don't know if it was, uh, you know, when I was kind of a late teenager, because I'm thinking about Larkin is kind of the same way. I don't know, um, the guys that came up there a little bit later. I don't know if I saw them more as my own age, and I just didn't get that like deep kind of passionate connection to them or what. But Sabo, Sabo was fun for sure, but I kind of just um, enjoyed him, but. Not not top guy for me.
0: Yeah, I, it makes sense. I, I don't know. I just, you know, he came up and he had all the you know the rookie of the year stuff, and you know I don't know. He was just, and then a, a big really short career, but a, a good career for a few years. But you know, he drove a Ford Escort, like you know, for, for years after he was a nineteen, you know, like eighty four Ford Escort or something for years after he was in the big leagues. I don't know. They're just he's the typical guy that since fans have always fallen in love with. He just had a little more talent than Chris Hines, yeah. I think is
2: where we are. I, I think for me, I think what like maybe turned me off was the, that weirdo interview after the world series win. It was great. He was like talking super fast and like, I don't know. Just we kick your ass.
0: <laughs> if you've not seen his uh, interview, after the World Series. I guess it was I think it was the parade, you know. Oh, and it didn't be very bad, but it's hilarious too. So all right, Chris, who's on
2: your list? All right, number five on my list is a guy I never saw play, a guy who's uh 105 years old this year. So this is kind of just a guy I wanted to talk about. Uh and, and kind of in the context of some other guys, and it's Bob Thurman. And we might have you might have heard Bob Thurman's name this summer, when Joey Votto at age 37 was hitting a whole bunch of home runs, because Bob Thurman was on the list uh, along with Ken Griffey Jr. for the most Reds home runs at age 37 or up. And so Thurman was a guy on the Reds uh, in the late 50s, and he he came up with the Reds in 1955, and he was listed I think at 33. 34 years old and in fact he was 38 he had had played in the negro leagues in the late 40s with guys like uh well guys like what uh josh gibson i think and and uh and um some other hall of famers i'm sorry this is zoning out but um he had played in the negro leagues on the homestead grays went eventually made it up to the Reds. He was a, He's a member of the Puerto Rican Baseball Hall of Fame, played a ton of years in winter ball, and was like a huge power hitter. And by the time he was able to make it into the, the National League or the American League, uh, the Reds had really fully integrated their team. They were pretty late to the party there, but they brought in several of these guys who were veteran players to build around Frank Robinson, basically and to build a community of African-American players to uh, make it easier on their younger stars like Robinson and the guys coming up behind him, Veda Penson, Kurt Flood, and some other guys. And uh, Thurman was a guy who, when he was 38 years old, making his quote-unquote Major League debut for the Reds, uh, hit seven home runs, hit eight home runs at 39, and at age 40, Sorry, hit 16 home runs in at age 40 in only 206 plate appearances. So his power per time at bat was up there basically leading the national league at that time. And uh, he hadn't gotten a chance to play and he finally did. And as far as being a teammate, he was a guy who would basically make the traveling arrangements for the other African American players when they went places that they couldn't stay with their teammates. He was kind of the leader of that that group of players. So just a guy that I think is, is obviously unheard of. Um, I never saw him play. I don't really know what he was like as a player. He's a big left-handed power hitter, but just a guy I wanted to shout out and and share some information about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know um, this, the, the Bob Thurman um, story here basically is, why I'm so glad we undertook that project uh, about the book, because I didn't really know much about him. And we learned a lot about him through that process. And a lot of it was your research that you, that you did. And you're right. This is a guy that, you know, if he'd been given a chance, this guy's a star and he wasn't, but he's still more significant in reds history than almost anyone realizes because of, I mean, he was, he was good as, as an older player, but he was also that guy that kind of uh, helped uh, some of these younger guys. And you mentioned Frank Robinson, Beta Pinson, especially, but um, if you don't know about Bob Thurman, first of all, you should have read the book because we did talk about him a little bit. But that's um, it's a fantastic choice. If for no other reason, then this is a guy that we need to talk about on this show, and uh, that Reds fans need to need not to forget. So, Nate, you know about him now?
1: Yes. Yeah, really, the big benefit of hanging out with older people is getting to well, learn hell, slow your roll. Historical figures. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so...
0: There you go. All right, so uh, Nate's top five, Adam Dunn, Chris Sabo, Barry Larkin, Joey Votto, Sean Casey, Chris's, Eric Davis, Jose Rijo, Joey Votto, Johnny Cueto, and Bob Thurman, and then me, Adam Dunn, Barry Larkin, Mario Soto, Joey Votto, and Tom Browning in no particular order. That was fun, guys. Um, we uh, That took longer than I expected.
1: <laughs> <You> Want to <laughs> talk about the news of the week? Well, this uh, this shouldn't
0: take up too much time. Yeah, no news of the week. They're still locked out. Do we still have? Do either of you have predictions about whether
2: we're going to play a full 162 game season, Chris? I don't know. I don't really feel as optimistic as a lot of people do. I I think the the owners are very um, happy with the economic system the way it is, and feel they have leverage to push the players around. And I think the players. Are fed up with it, so I, I, I don't see them making a deal anytime soon. Yikes,
0: Nate! Have you changed your opinion?
2: Um, I don't, I don't disagree with Chris
1: said. Even though I don't love it, um, people will be listening to this on Friday. We're recording on Thursday, so the uh, the owners and the players met today. Um, nothing happened. They brought out one of their core economic proposals. The players' union didn't particularly like it, and they left. Um, that was to be expected. This is how these things work in a couple days. I think I think the speed with which the players come back with their counter is going to be telling. If they wait a couple weeks, then, uh, yeah, we, we might be in real danger. I think we're almost certain to lose some spring training games at this point. I won't go as far as to say I'm worried about the regular season yet. But, yeah, if they wait a couple weeks before they even make a counter, I think Chris might be right. and no, I don't love it.
0: Well, they've not talked in a while and and I'm, you know, I still think we'll get 162 games in, but I don't know. It's, it depends I guess on how set the players are on fighting this. Um because they've got some real grievances, I think, and some legitimate uh you know arguments, but uh, and that, I guess is the question on all these uh, labor stoppages, how serious are they about um attempting to uh, really make real change from the player's standpoint. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll learn more, and hopefully, hopefully by next week we'll have more. Um, other Reds news of the week. I mean, um, guys, uh, the Red sign Ben Lively. That's exciting, right? Remember him?
2: No. Yeah. Great for punsters, really, having him come back to the fold.
0: <laughs> yeah, Ben Lively. Um, I don't know. Uh, Nate, you can tell us a little bit about uh, Julio Mario, maybe um, <laughs> this before, week.
1: Before we talk about him, I wanted to bring up uh, Lorenzo Cedrola. Okay. So spring Reds, training
0: invite. The Reds gave him a spring training invite.
1: Am I crazy to kind of like this guy? I mean, he's because only of his name. He had a solid year last year. We stink in center field. He's I think he had a one hundred and six uh, weighted runs created plus in uh, AAA last year. He's got some triple A experience. I, I don't hate this one. I'm actually, for some, I don't don't even, I can't justify it. I I have a good feeling about this guy.
0: Well, I mean, it depends on what you're expecting, I guess. Um, He's uh, it's a minor league deal, invited him to spring training and um, he was with the Reds previously, uh, but uh, he's a good name, Lorenzo Cedrola and uh, went to the Red Sox because the Reds traded, I think, some cap space, international bonus pool spending money. Ugh, I, I hate 2022 baseball, but anyway, um, yeah, he doesn't walk much at all, and that's the biggest problem. But evidently, he plays good defense, uh, he's he's good on the base paths, um, makes a lot of contact, doesn't strike out a lot. I don't know, I mean, uh, organizational depth, maybe. I don't know, uh, this is where well, we we've been reduced to. Uh, no power. Well, you know he fits it's right walk or hit the home run. So, <laughs> well, what's then what's the argument? Uh, I think it's a backup. Just I think wait. he certainly. I think he's certainly a a depth guy that can. I think he actually could help the big league team eventually, but I don't know. I struggle to see him being a. Well, the Reds do need a center fielder though. Is he better than T.J. Friedel?
1: Well, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to start you know, 80 or 100 games for us. But I, I I have a sneaking suspicion that we'll see him
2: in a major league uniform a good bit of the year. That's a – maybe he platoons with Friedle. He's bat's right-handed. Yeah. I mean, that's I not know. an appealing, yeah, no. appealing idea, but maybe where we but are. Yeah, I, I do apologize that I just
1: let us on a multi-minute discussion about players that <laughs> may or may not see oh. the big league. Um, yeah, this but, is where we are
0: as Reds fans though, right? We this can't is where we are God.
1: Julio Murillo, Murillo, how you pronounce it? I just, uh, he got, he got captured in a story of the athletic. The guy went from full pin catcher to translator to now managing and rookie ball. I just think it's a super good story and worth, uh, worth putting some attention on.
0: Yeah. If you, if you subscribe to the athletic, uh, go read the piece that uh, was published this week by, uh, our friend Trent Rosecrans about his, path from being a a catcher to a interpreter to a minor league manager. It's it's pretty it's pretty interesting. So um that's all the news. Let's uh we've got some viewer mail questions, but quickly if we could, we're gonna introduce a new segment this week. We may have to do it pretty quickly uh, as as we've gone on here. But uh Chris, why don't you tell us about our our new segment here?
2: Well we uh we realized this week, that um, there's calendars, and it might be interesting to look and see what kind of things have happened in this uh, this particular week in Reds history. We also, uh, one of us in the podcast, is having a birthday today, and thought it might be wonder who else is having birthdays in uh, in the Reds family. So we're going to run down a few events from Reds history from this week as well as some happy birthday shout-out to Reds and former Reds.
0: Okay, first of all, Nate, happy birthday. You should have known. (laughs) I should have known that. No, wait, wait. How do I not have your
2: birthday on my uh, calendar, Chris? Uh, Happy birthday. Uh, Thank you, thank you. Well, anyway, um, by the time everyone watches this podcast, it won't be my birthday anymore. So (laughs) let's cut this part right out. There you go. Well, let's run
0: through the birthdays of the week and see if you all have any uh, anecdotes about any of these players. Um, Let's see here. January 8th, Mike Cameron, Walker Cooper, and Chauncey Fisher.
1: Anybody? Anybody? What? Mike Cameron was entertaining for a while.
2: Mike Cameron was cool. Walker Cooper is famous for being cut out of the Big 50, being bumped by Scooter Jeanette. He was,
0: yeah. Uh, Walker Cooper, go look his story up. He was in the big fifty, and then Scooter Jeanette hit four home runs, and Walker Cooper, bless his heart, he was gone. So um, Chauncey Fisher played from 1893 to 1901. I know he's one of your. He, he was almost in your top five, right, Chris?
2: Yeah, he's in my top five. Guys named Chauncey.
0: <laughs> there you go. There you go. What about January the 11th? Anybody want to tackle January the 11th? The birthdays in Reds history from January the 11th.
1: I just missed some of the names. Silver King. Silver King. Before. What a great name. I want to name my son Silver King Dodson. It's
0: beautiful. <laughs> um, he pitched for the Reds in 1893. That's even before Chris's time, who is the oldest
2: <laughs> of all of us. Right. That's right.
0: <laughs> By a few months. Um, Lloyd McClendon. I thought Lloyd McClendon was going to be great. Didn't you, Chris? I bet you thought Lloyd McClendon was going to be great, didn't you?
2: I did. I thought Bo Diaz was going to be pushed right out of the way and Lloyd McClendon would would take over.
0: How many uh, former Reds that we thought were going to be great ended up being Pirates managers? <laughs>
2: Just <laughs> McClendon and Clint Hurdle? I don't know. Maybe. I think so far, so far, maybe yeah. Willie Green will get a turn sometime soon. <laughs>
0: uh, January the 12th. Chris, you want to tell us about January the 12th?
2: Birthdays from January
0: we the 12th. Got, uh, a good short- names there.
2: Short-term Reds left-handers Dontrell Don Willis and Alex Wood celebrate birthdays. And love then a boat? fellow from the, the early part of the 20th century who has, I think, a better name even than Silver King. And his name is Admiral Schly. Oh, I love him. It's and the, the, the Admiral was a Cincinnati native who was the first catcher in Reds history to uh, wear shin guards. Ooh.
1: Is that right? Yeah. Like I yeah. said, the first in Reds history, not the first in baseball history.
2: Right. Like That's whip,
1: whip. And there was a span of time where other people were like, no, nah, this is not for me. Not yet.
2: <laughs> soft. <laughs> the game's going soft. Yeah. I'm sure uh, of it. Yeah. And then uh, a guy named Dan Daub, who I just I just liked his name. He played for the Reds in eighteen ninety two. And then uh, future Red Center fielder uh, Reggie Taylor.
0: Reggie Taylor, one of the first uh, red center fielders that really, really irritated me. Bless his heart, but uh, <laughs> he was in uh, in a, as we he in a run South.
2: of those guys. It yeah, to go from was... Taylor to Tavares, uh, Tavares to Patterson. Was that the the, the oh, 2000s? Man, when I I'm saw
1: Taylor's name, I got these weird shivers, like, it was like PTSD. <laughs> And I completely blocked him out of my memory. I went back and did some Googling and regretted every second.
2: Of yeah, me. yeah, I remembered all that. All
1: right.
0: but, yeah. yeah, he joined the Reds in 2002, and that's when I first really started thinking, wait a minute, maybe Jim Bowden doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> so um, I'll take January 13th. Uh, Kevin Mitchell, happy birthday to Kevin Mitchell. Kevin Mitchell, um, the career uh, leader in uh, baseball reference, wins above replacement for any player – That was born on January the 13th. Kevin Mitchell, also. And I'll ask, uh, uh, I don't know if Nate remembers him much, but I'll ask Chris. I think he may be the most amazing player I've ever seen, even though he barely played for the Reds. I mean, that guy was legitimately great for, we talk about Eric Davis, but that guy was legitimately great for a short period of time.
2: I don't remember anybody in the Reds hitting the ball harder. Yeah. I mean, Willie Mopena, maybe. But Kevin Mitchell hit the ball a lot more often.
1: Yeah, there's something, man. There's some stats to back that up. He still owns the Reds' single season record for uh, slugging percent, six eighty one in 1994. And yeah. If anybody? Uh, the only real real memory I have from him is go back and, and do some Googling, check out his barehanded catch in the outfit.
0: Not the with the outfit. Reds, but amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was
2: that was crazy.
1: I, I hate to mention Twitter, head but, but how he was described to me he was this guy who hits the ball real hard and once made a barehanded catch. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Uh not that we should ever talk ever talk about Twitter. Don't don't join Twitter if you're not on there, but somebody literally retweeted the video of him catching the uh, a flyball barehanded into my feed just today.
2: I thought I so, saw that too. I'm glad that wasn't just uh like a weird flashback for me. I saw that too. Yeah.
0: Incredible Kevin Mitchell. Um just just amazing. Uh Elmer Descends also January 13th. Happy birthday to Elmer Descends. Um another guy, if we're talking about underrated Reds, I mean I know we make fun of his name, but Elmer Descends was really during a time when the Reds had zero pitchers, literally zero pitchers.
2: Elmer Descends was kind of pretty good, wasn't he? Yeah, he got it done. He was I, I'd have to go back and see like, was Elmer DeSens a top 30 pitcher in the league, or was he like number 150? And that was as good as we got.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the best we could hope for.
2: Yeah. So uh
0: I'm a little disappointed we have to mention this name. I thought we were done with him, but Heath Hembry, um, born on January 13th, Cactus Kick. Everyone knows Cactus Keck played in 1922 and 1923 for the Reds, right? He's
1: right. also a famous
2: lawman in Tombstone, Arizona. <laughs> Notably. <laughs> it feels like some kind of weird, like weird drink, like soda pop you'd find in a in an old candy store. Like you want root beer, sarsaparilla, or a cactus keck. <laughs> you know, as a matter of fact, we drove Route 66
0: this summer. I'm pretty sure I saw that somewhere like in uh, you know. Uh, Amarillo, Texas, or somewhere, right?
2: A tall bottle cactus of cactus Tech before you go.
0: Oh, that's great! And the last one, January thirteenth, Mike Dijon dehan What do we think, Mike? Well, how do we pronounce that? Dijon. I don't know. Just going, Mikey Mustard. <laughs> played in nineteen forty. But Chris, he's got. Does do he have a ring? Played in nineteen forty. What's that? Do you think he played in 1940, or could you be convinced of another year?
2: Well, he, I mean, it sounds like a guy that would have been, like, in the bullpen in the 2017 Reds, doesn't it? How would we know? <laughs> I don't know. I just wonder. Yeah, I don't know. Good Observe for my former Reds.
0: Nate, you, uh, before we finish this out, you want to finish up uh, with January the 14th.
1: Uh, the 14th we had, was it the um, Gary Green? So this is what Chris actually pointed out to me, and I didn't know a ton about it. Um, This guy was apparently the reason Barry Larkin became a Hall of Famer. Evidently, Uh, Chris, if you want to go into more detail about it, I just thought this was such a super fun story that uh, the other listeners would get a kick out of.
2: It's yeah. So so Gary Green played like he was on the 1992 Reds for two weeks at the end of April. Larkin. had a collision with Glenn Braggs. And as you could imagine, like anyone, uh, got hurt in the process. So Freddie Benavides took over the starting role and they brought this Gary Green guy up from AAA to be the backup shortstop. Green was a former first round pick, um, had not really done much, kind of an all field, no hit guy. But Gary Green with Barry Larkin were members of the 1984 U.S. Olympic team. And Green, who had graduated from Oklahoma State, was the starting shortstop, while Barry Larkin, who was only a sophomore at Michigan, uh, was a backup. And, you know, years later, like when Green made the Reds, there was a story about it, and they quoted Green and they, they quoted the, the manager of the Olympic team, who was Rod Dato, the longtime USC coach. And, you know, they, they all said great things. Oh, Larkin was great, he was amazing. But he was so young, we didn't want to let him start. We wanted to make the veteran the starting shortstop. But I read this somewhere, and I would love it if if you guys or any of our viewers have heard this story. But I am positive I read a story where Barry Larkin was downright Jordan-esque in nursing a resentment against Gary Green for being not the starter of the Olympic, on the Olympic baseball team in 1984 and that Larkin used that to, you know, spur his own development, to prove everybody wrong, and to show that he was, in fact, the, the best player on that team. So um, Gary Green, I can't imagine what that was like in the locker room when Gary Green came up, if they were, hey, hey, good buddy, good to see you. Um, probably, you know, they said Larkin was was nothing but, you know, appropriate when he was on the team, on the bench. He was a good player. So, but uh, it's kind of a weird full circle moment for very short term. uh Red and birthday boy tomorrow. Gary Green.
1: Happy birthday, Gary Green.
2: Well, this oh man! Is
1: happy birthday wishes from us because he's not getting them from Barry.
0: <laughs> it's true. I can just see Barry Larkin looking at an iPad. If you've seen the the Last Dance documentary, I can see Barry looking at, uh, at, a, at a, an iPad and saying, "And that's when it got personal." You know, he <laughs> became a yeah. Hall of Famer.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I when this. It. When this episode drops, it'll be Gary Green's 60th birthday, and uh, best wishes to Gary and family.
0: Absolutely. So quickly, in terms of birthdays, I'll mention that uh, January the 14th. Also, uh, Mike Frank, uh, notable center fielder, uh, notable mostly for being the center fielder in the Young, Frank, and Steins outfield for the Reds. Uh, Demetri Young, uh, Mike Frank, and and, uh, Chris Steins, the Young Frankensteins outfield. And then one other, Chris, quickly, if you can talk about Steve Cook Steve Cook's birthday. Everybody remembers Steve Cook, right? Steve, Steve.
2: Cook, nineteen ninety eight. Steve Cook was acquired by Jim Bowden to. It was all set to be the Reds' third starter. Can I, I say mean, this, this
0: was, first quickly? I'm sorry, Chris. Can I say this? I have no memory of Steve Cook.
2: Well, None. I don't either. Really. I mean, you and I were both in law school at the time, and and probably not following the team as closely. Um, Cook Cook was the third number three starter. He came out the third day, game of the year six innings, four hits, one run looking good. Uh, Warming up for the second start of the year. And he's got elbow tendonitis. He's got a a twinge in his elbow. The infamous Gabe White came in to start for him and Cook went on the DL. And in his story, as old as time, Steve Cook spent the entire season on the disabled list, was promised to return many times. If you go through the season reading the newspaper, Cook's expected back. Oh, Cook had a setback. Cook, cook he actually came off the DL, for some reason was activated and sat on the bench for five days, and it came to his time to start, and he wasn't able to go, and they put him back on the DL. Uh, just, just typical mind-boggling management. But uh, Steve Cook never pitched for the Reds again, and in fact never pitched in the major leagues again after that one start in 1998. Happy birthday, Steve Cook.
1: <laughs> nate any thoughts about steve cook i have no whatsoever you all have the law school thing to fall back on i just don't remember it <laughs> i have no memory so
0: all right so happy birthday steve cook i hope you figured it out um you know we were also going to do this uh this week in red's history and i, I want to quickly run through it before we get the viewer mail because we gotta get out of here but Uh, We've had too much fun up to this point. So this week in Reds history, I guess I'll uh, – either of you want to volunteer to do the first – and just quickly tell me what happened on on that day, January 7th, this week in Reds history. Either of you want to volunteer?
2: Yeah, that was in 1971. uh, Reds outfielder Bobby Tolan ruptured his Achilles tendon while playing basketball on the Cincinnati Reds offseason basketball team. Great, he missed the entire 1971 season. Uh, the Reds, you know, kind of he was never the same, and the Reds that probably led to the Reds trading for Joe Morgan a year later. So, um, you know, crazy, crazy thing. They stopped the Reds from playing basketball in the offseason after that.
0: Yeah, it worked out. Um, January 9th, this day and this week in Reds history, January 9th. It's a Hall of Fame. This was back when they used to elect people to the Hall of Fame in early January. Johnny Bench, Joe Morgan, and Barry Larkin all elected to the Hall of Fame on January the 9th in 89, 90, and 2012. Uh, also, the Reds traded Mike Kelly to uh, or Atlanta, traded Mike Kelly to Cincinnati for minor league pitcher Chad Fox, and the Reds signed for Kelly Stinnett. Okay, the Hall of Fame stuff is much more uh, interesting. So, uh, Nate, you want to talk about January 10th?
1: Yeah, there was several things that happened on January 10th. Almost none of them are worth our time. So I'm going to move on to um, 2012. Uh, this was a uh, particularly impactful one for me. The Red sign reliever Ryan Madsen to a one-year deal. Um, that was an exciting moment. He, uh, he had a good run-up to that point. We were pretty excited here in uh, Cincinnati land. Unfortunately, Mister Madsen would miss the entire season and never throw a single pitch for the Reds. Uh, still, you know, relatively fun year for the Reds, but it's a uh, it's a big what if in recent Reds history.
0: Oh, Chris, I guess I go to you. Why is that such a what if? If Ryan Madsen had been the closer that year, what happened?
2: Uh, I think that means that Arthas Chapman stays in the uh, starting or stays a uh, starter pitcher, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's a huge what if, uh, as Nate yeah. said. A couple of things on January tenth, I'll mention quickly. The Reds bought uh, Mordecai Brown. That's Mordecai Three Finger Brown back in nineteen thirteen, uh, future Hall of Famer. And I I had no memory that the Reds actually signed uh, Mordecai Three Finger Brown, a, a Hall of Famer. Um, and then in nineteen seventy three, the Reds in the uh, in the Major League Draft picked. Southern Mississippi punter, Ray Guy. <laughs> now, Chris is my age, so Ray Guy was like a legend uh, in the 80s, right? He's a the punter yeah. for the Raiders, right?
2: Yeah, he was a Raiders punter for forever. I mean, you know, those guys used to punt until they were like 42 years old or something, right? He's a Hall of Famer yeah. in the NFL. That's what I was going to ask. He has to be a Hall of Famer, right? Yeah. Yep.
0: All right, so January 11th, uh, I'll take this one. The Reds trade for Alex Johnson. Alex Johnson it's 1968. If you don't know Alex Johnson, he and most Reds fan, fans don't. He was better than you realize. He was really good early on. They they traded for him. He later on is traded for uh, Pedro Borbone, who becomes a Reds Hall of Famer. Um, you know uh, the the only other thing to mention that happened on January 11th I go back goes back to Errolis Chapman, who we just talked about, signed a six year contract with the Reds um, out of Cuba. And Chapman, whatever you think about him. Chapman was a superstar for the Cincinnati Reds and uh, after the Cincinnati Reds. And um, that ended up being a a big-time deal. For the Reds, uh, any thoughts from either of you about Chapman or, uh, you know?
1: The most electrifying player of my lifetime. People talk about in basketball who's the most dominant, like Shaq's the most dominant, if so-and-so might be the best. Chapman is the most electrifying player that I've ever seen. Step on a field. Ch- oh, I thought you
0: were talking about Alex Johnson. <laughs>
1: um, yeah,
0: I-, I think that's fair. I mean, I remember being in the park back when I used to go to the park, and Chapman would come in, and it was
2: crazy. Right? It never got old. You know what I mean? Like, it. it I mean, maybe you know now it's a little different. A lot of guys throw that hard, but man, so much. And then yeah, he's throwing hundred.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. Uh, what else we have this week? January fourteenth. Chris, I'm going to hand this to you, and then we'll get to viewer mail quickly.
2: Yeah. Uh, let's see. Just a few transactions on the fourteenth. This is back when the Reds used to make moves in January. I remember ready that. Yeah. Uh, one of uh, our favorite players, Chris Sabo, departed the Reds in 1994 on this date. Signed as a free agent by the Orioles. Um, a a longtime Red came back. On In 1999, when the Reds traded for Hal Morris to bring him back. A
1: sneaky favorite.
2: Yeah. Underrated, yeah. yeah. And then uh, the Reds acquired uh, outfielder Alex Ochoa in 2000, who was, uh, I guess we would describe him as a member of the 2000 Cincinnati Reds. But I remember thinking that he was going to be good
0: for some reason. Well, he was a long time.
2: <laughs> was he a, an Expos prospect, I think? Yeah. That yeah. was really hyped up for a while. And uh, anyway, we, talk, that's we talked. that's it. right history.
0: <laughs> we talked ourselves into being excited for so many bad players over the years. Yeah. It's crazy. All right. Let's do a lightning round here for our viewer mail questions. Viewer mail, these come from our friends at patreon.com slash riverfrontsensee. That's patreon.com slash riverfrontsensee. Couple new members of the uh, Beer League softball team, new members of the family here. I want to go ahead and uh, mention them first. Carl J. Mitz, M I T Z E, Mitz, I think. Carl J. Mitz. Guys, what position does Carl play on our Beer League softball team?
1: I got him as a uh, slugging third baseman. What do you think?
2: Hmm, Chris? Well, there actually was a major leaguer named Carl Mitz or a minor leaguer, minor leaguer named Carl Mitz, uh, spelled with a C and not a K, and uh, he was a minor league catcher throughout 1905 to 1929. So I'm going to say Carl is uh, following in his great-grandfather's steps and playing behind the plate. Oh, you think great-grandfather? You don't think it's the same guy? (laughs) Not Born
0: 1886. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Carl, thank you so much. Go ahead, Nate.
1: No shin guards on that guy. (laughs)
0: That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really. Carl, yeah. I think Carl has to be a catcher because he is a, he's a, he's a man. He's a dude. Carl, thank you so much for joining the family at, uh, at Patreon. Love you, buddy. Next is Joseph Prince. Joseph Prince. Uh, thank you again for becoming a member of the family.
1: Nate, what, what, what position do you have for Joseph Prince? I struggle with this one. I landed on a center fielder. I feel like the last name Prince lends itself to a lot of, of uh, high-profile positions. But I kind of got him in the Willie Mays Hayes role, a uh, speedy, flashy center fielder.
0: I can I can dig that. I can dig that. Chris, you, you object? I'm with you.
2: Yeah, he took over for Silver King.
0: <laughs> he took over for Silver King. Uh, kudos to Joseph Prince. Uh, thank you so much for joining the uh, joining the family this week, that, guys. Appreciate both of you, Carl and Joseph. All right, first question. Joe Farsing, and Farsing ignores me and Nate, but what's up, guys? This is for Garber, per usual. Donuts, is there anything they can't do? Chris,
2: you got to answer this one. I'm going to get it wrong. I feel like I'm being cued here for a Simpsons quote. But I, I don't have it, so sorry, Joe, if I'm missing it. But I did enjoy a Boston cream this morning. <laughs> what about
0: uh, what's the what's, what are the uh, oh goodness, it's too late. What are the uh, what are the hamburgers that uh, that Principal Skinner? What do he call those hamburgers when he had uh, steamed uh, hams? Steamed hams, yeah. When he had Super Nintendo Chalmers oh, in there with it, yeah.
2: Him? <laughs> steamed oh,
0: hams, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm up to season 22, by the way. I've been rewatching all of them with my son. Oh, right. Season 22. And I still got like a hundred seasons to go. Rusty Joey Gaditza. This is actually, we're going to go to Kyle Kapler first. Kyle Kappler, who would win in a race from the bullpen to the mound? Kyle, I love you, but this is an easy answer. Jared Hughes or Todd Coffey? Jared Hughes and Todd Coffey, two notable former Reds who. Ran from the bullpen to the mound. The answer's easy, right? It's got to be. It's got to be. I mean, Todd Coffee was. Um, what's the correct term to oh, use yeah. these days? He yeah. What, was, is,
2: what where are you going? What's the adjective you've got in mind?
0: <laughs> he was um, stout. I don't know. He was stout.
1: Shortly, <laughs> on side.
0: Husky. He, he, a little husky. He wore husky jeans.
1: I think the um, longer the races. The more Todd Coffee has a chance, he gets the momentum behind him. He's picking up speed the whole way.
2: His face was awful <laughs> red after running 200 feet from the bullpen to the mound. He
1: could barely I, handle it. I had kind of forgot about Todd Coffee. I was glad that this question got thrown out there. I missed that guy. He
0: is a guy. He's a guy.
1: <laughs> I
0: like that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Jared Hughes. Okay, Joey Ginitza has a legit question. Hey guys, who gets hot first this season, Gino or Moose? And that's Eugenio Suarez or Mike Moustakas. Hopefully both. He says, "To me, this is a legit question because I think uh, I think Gino and Moose, who plays third base the majority of the time, is kind of a question here." Um, but Nate, I'll go to you first. Any any thoughts about who gets hot first and who sh- who should have that third base spot?
1: Well, it's a legit question, and I have a legit answer. It's obviously Moose, and the answer is because Gino is more used to the warm weather. Moose is from L.A., which is hot in its own right. But Gino is from Puerto Ordaz, which is uh, just a little bit warmer as far as average annual temperatures go.
0: Nate, you actually did some research. I disapprove. <laughs> Chris, I think those guys, I'll, I'll throw it to you this way. Those guys, Eugenio Suarez and Mike Moustakas are that's got to be the third place either platoon or one of those guys is on the bench and one of those guys is playing. I think, right? If the, yeah, the roster is guys, as it's currently.
2: Yeah, one of those guys better get hot or the team's in real trouble. What about Kyle Farmer at third? Third and short. Please? Please? Who? No, he's not Kyle. come on. He's no Kyle Farmer. <laughs> Who is?
0: All right, Rex Scott. Uh, Chris, another one directed at Chris. There we go. This is good. <laughs> Chris. When I got my copy of The Big 50 and read your bio, that's The Big 50.
2: The and, men you know, he read it cover to story. cover, Chad. Cover he, to he cover. Did. He got to the bio, cover the- to cover. <laughs> well done, I'm,
0: Rex. Thank I'm you. I'm just glad he read, read the bios. He said, I saw that we are both Ohio University Bobcats. You, Chris Garber, and Rex, and Tom Brenneman. Tom Brenneman. All right, not so bad. questions for you not from not Rex. Fair. What were your favorite uptown bars? Chris, you got an answer to that?
2: The answers to that are the junction, which is similar, but not the same anymore. The pub and the crystal casino, but no one ever said the word casino.
0: Okay. Next question. Did you ever hang out at the monument and smoke illicit substances there?
2: I did not. And he is, I believe speaking of the soldiers and sailors monument, on the college green, uh, I would eat a burrito there. I would watch people play drums there. I would listen to brother Jed and his family of itinerant preachers there. <laughs> but that was all I did there.
0: Correct answer. Last one, which I disapprove of because I hate all Bobcats. But last question is that uh, most important of all, how did you follow up with Chad? That's me. When the Bobcats upset his Virginia Cavaliers in last year's NCAA tournament, I will also note that's also Nate's Virginia Cavaliers, but how did you follow it with Chad's with Chad and, and Nate when the Bobcats upset his Virginia Cavaliers in last year's NCAA tournament?
2: I think the answer is graciously.
0: I think that's the right answer. You were extremely gracious.
2: I I I uh I was very confident that the Bobcats were actually gonna win that game. So I was prepared for it. I enjoyed it, and I acted like I'd been there before as a fan.
0: And I didn't care because Virginia was the defending national yeah. champion.
2: You had a nat- two, two years of running, defending national champ.
0: Two year defending national champs, right, Nate? Come on, you got me. <laughs> I'm just put
2: his number back then.
1: <laughs> All
0: right, Hooper Powell asks at uh, redlegnation Nation, no, at patreoncom Gosh, Riverfront Sensi. I can't keep all this straight. I'm going to go to you with this one, Nate. My nephew started to look at colleges. My advice would be University of Colorado. Besides your alma mater, where do you wish you attended college? And then second question is Red's question. Favorite Red's TV analyst of all time. Where should his nephew go to college, Nate? Quickly.
1: Uh, first answer, out of the country. Go do something crazy. You only get to, You only get one chance at this life. Um, get out and experience something that he's never going to get to do otherwise um, if he's going to stay domestic I'm going to go somewhere like Montana State, I feel like Bozeman will be a pretty cool town to spend a couple of years in, maybe uh, go to the local bar, get to meet Kevin Costner, wheeze my way into that scenario <laughs> get a spot on Yellowstone So, there's my- I like it Nate
0: spent some time in China that's a different country you- Google that it yeah. But uh, Chris, what, 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 uh, man, what university would you recommend?
2: Hooper's on to it. I I'm thinking, uh, things are good in Boulder, man. University of Colorado is a great school, great town. Um, I, I don't, uh, there's a lot, man. There's a lot of fun places. I don't know. Um, Austin, maybe UCLA, UC Santa Barbara. Those are all cool ideas. Yeah.
0: Yeah, somewhere warm, somewhere fun. I'm going to go with the University of Colorado. I think it's the the right answer. It's not a bad answer at all. Uh quickly, favorite Reds TV analyst of all time. The real answer to me is is uh is Chris Welsh. Clearly. And I guess I don't know if you call uh George Grant an analyst, but George Grant is I underrated him at the time. Is it quickly, uh we'll go to Chris first. Welsh. It's Welsh. Nate?
1: You know, I'm going to make a comment here tonight that uh, it's going to go out over the air, and I'm deeply ashamed of it. I, I've heard anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart that I'm so very, very sorry. I pride <laughs> myself on this answer and think of myself as a man of faith. Uh, there's a drive into deep left field by Castellanos. And, uh, that'll be a home run.
0: He went there. He went there.
1: I'm also All right, coach, Rich Thompson. Coach, the cowboy. Love the cowboy.
0: <laughs> Can I say, uh, cowboy has was at the bottom of my list when he first started, and he is close to the top now. It's Chris Welsh, obviously, but cowboy has improved. That's uh, that's Jeff Brantley for those of you out there in uh, Rio Linda or whatever. Um, Rich Thompson, Rich Thompson has given us two questions, and we're we've run along on time, so I got to pick one of those. Um, Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh Chris, any suggestions? First or second one Let's of these questions? The we get out of Let's here. do the
2: first one.
0: All right, first question the from one Rich Thompson. Math
2: and things like that.
0: Yeah, I don't want I don't want that. So, gentlemen, when I was a and Rich, my, my our friend Rich Thompson from William and Mary University, when I was a kid back in the 70s, it seemed like some utility players could make an MLB roster and have successful careers, essentially by being decent defensive players. Since the 1980s, it's my belief that utility players must also now provide some offensive clout to make an an MLB roster. Short and pithy, Rich. I I love you, buddy, but I keep telling you. With all this said, do you believe if we could go back in time and bring back 1974 Daryl Cheney at the pinnacle of his Reds career, would he make the 2022 Reds opening day roster or any other team's roster? Now, a lot of viewers are not really going to understand this, but this this is actually a, a really interesting question about the state of baseball now and, you know, uh, what teams value. Um, Chris,
2: do you have any thoughts? Daryl Cheney. Yeah. So let's – I think this is interesting. The peak of his powers – Daryl Cheney hit 200, 327 on base and a 304 slugging percentage. It all added up to a 0.1 wins above replacement. So Daryl Cheney at his peak was a replacement level player using the metrics we use today. So no, he would not have had uh what an eight year major league career, 11 year career that he had. Those guys are, are gone. And, uh, Nobody replaced them. They've been replaced with middle relievers. Those true. guys who could handle the bat, maybe lay down a bunt, and and be cromulent at at you know all the infield positions. They, that job is gone. It's not that they've been replaced with other infielders. The job got eliminated.
0: I one hundred percent agree with everything you just said, which kind of scares me because I've never agreed with anything Chris said, but. Nate, this is before your time. Daryl Chaney, any hot takes on Daryl Chaney?
1: He played professional softball for the Cincinnati Suds, so he at the very least could have made our beer league softball team. <laughs>
0: this is why I couldn't around. I love it. No, I think Chris's answer is right. He does not make a big league roster now. The game has just changed, and uh, you know, kudos to Daryl Chaney for what he did for our Reds. But
2: yeah. Not happening. (laughs) Can I add one more Daryl Cheney uh, fact? And this is an assignment for all of our viewers. I've I've been
0: begging you to make more Daryl Cheney comments uh, for years.
2: (laughs) Please, folks, go to uh, Google.com or your box of baseball cards and find Daryl Cheney's 1978 Topps Atlanta Braves baseball card. Because he's wearing – well, he's wearing a collared shirt under his jersey, and I think everyone should see that. (laughs) <laughs> yes
0: we all need to uh enjoy that Yep. oh man guys uh we as we always do we went longer than we expected but this was a lot of fun i'm gonna ask you right now any final thoughts nate i'll go to you first any final thoughts for our viewers out there
1: no this was uh, probably a little too much fun it's gotten late um i want to throw out there a thank you to our new patreon subscribers i know we've got a viewer mail only patreon only episode coming up soon i hope that's how we can get as many of the uh contributors as possible involved in that but yeah thanks to everybody um after a week off it's nice to be back
0: it was nice to be back chris any final thoughts uh
2: no everybody uh stay safe out there
0: stay safe yeah absolutely listen i'm chad Dotson. he's chris garber no actually i look at his name now he's, he's daryl cheney um and uh and uh we got nate Dotson with us listen uh Family, love you all. Thank you so much for following us. We're on YouTube. Give us a subscribe. Smash that subscribe button and the uh, and the like button. Uh I, for some reason it matters. I don't know. Um, we're on every podcast platform. If you listen audio only, hang out with us. And uh, we're the same way you've always uh, gotten the podcast. Go to patreon.com slash riverfront if you want to join the family. If you don't,
1: whatever. I don't care. You know, I, I love, love the guys, nice guys that have joined us. What's that, Nate? I've got a
0: prominent MySpace page. You can check that out too. Ooh, check out Nate's MySpace page, and uh, you know, Chris. I don't know. You need to uh, like write him a letter on uh, and send it the U.S. mail.
2: Yeah, we are on all podcast platforms, so you can check out the podcast at your local library.
0: <laughs> exactly. Hey, gang, listen for Chris Garber, for Nate Dotson, and for Elmar Descends, our favorite. This is Chad Dawson saying so long, everyone.